0: Do Paulists get to like request where they want to go, or is it just very strict? <laughs>
1: Ooh, Brett. Um, I think Brett knows the answer to this. He looks yeah, like he's... I'm going to do the same noise he just made. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like many roles in the church, correct me if I'm wrong, Father Dave, I know you will. Um, <laughs> like many roles in the church, it kind of goes both ways, but not really. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. The,
2: the Paulists say, Do you want to go here? But really, it means. You're okay. going there. You have to. You better make a really strong case for right. why you shouldn't be going
1: there. So but otherwise, uh, as, it's pretty much obedience. As just pointed out, I can give very little personal experience to this. True. <laughs> that is true. Because it only happened once <laughs> to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, twice technically, because I didn't. He's get been it monitoring first other people moving around. <laughs> so He's no, but but that. I mean, in addition to what Brett just described, there's a little bit on on either side of that. So every every year. We ask everyone in the community, and again, we're only 100, so we're not talking about the Jesuits where there's mm-hmm. tens of thousands of them around the world. But every year, our the leadership of our community asks every one of us to fill out kind of a like a how you doing, sheet, like a personnel sheet, we call it. Every year. So, every year. So you have to wow. do one every year no matter what. And it, it addresses three basic areas of the, the individual. Um, Ministry slash professional, community life, and individually. So, and, you know, how are you? We'd like to know. And we can because there's only 100 guys. We can know each other all very well. And our leadership can not just look at a big, long list and go, who's anybody know this guy? Would he be a good pastor? I mean, we actually all know each other and mm-hmm. all that. But also to know, so how are, you know, so in your in any given assignment, at least those three things, you, you could probably add an, another few categories, but at least those three things, we'd want to know how they're going well. Now, it may be like, I love the ministry I'm in. I'm really hitting a stride as in my fifth year as a pastor. uh, The guys in the house that I live with, it's just, we're really clicking. We like the same things, but Mm -hmm. it's been a tough year for me personally because I, you know, I lost my mom or something like that. These are theoretical. None of that is necessarily true in my case. No, it's all true. (laughs) So so those would be, at the very least, the leadership of our community that does make the personnel decisions wants to hear about that. Now, as Brett is saying, one may – your your personnel sheet that you turn in may may say, this is the worst ministry that I've ever had, and I need to find something else. That doesn't oh, wow. necessarily mean well, – very rarely do people say that. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that instantly that move will happen because there's other pieces on the chessboard that need to move around <laughs> in order for that to happen.
0: Right. So
1: you may not – you might say, oh, Joe over here. Is having a bad. They don't like him. As pastor at that church, let's see if we put him over here. But then this guy who's very happy, he'd got to go somewhere. So I mean, obviously it all it all okay. effect, it all affects one another. So first, that's the first piece is mm-hmm. is and you know, it, it's nice that it begins. Our leadership begins with us, like hearing from us. um And then after that, obviously they need to deal with. And because we are missionaries, and we have agreed that in general, and again, when you've only got a hundred guys. A lot of the rules need to have some flexibility and bendability. But in general, that we do want to be missionaries and we don't want to, you know, obviously an individual who loves being a pastor at a parish is going to be the last person to say, yes, we should move guys after 10 years. He'll want to stay there. You know, he loves right. the, his friends that he's made and they really, the parish staff is great and they've got a lot of fundraising going on. So, you know, if things are going great, you're gonna to wanna to stay somewhere. If things are an uphill battle, you'd be like, boy, I can't wait until my term limit is up. No, no it's not exactly that. I'm obviously adding a little more cynicism/slash human element than there is. Of course, there's prayer, and of course, there's even the desire to grow and to be stretched. And it's it's not not it's not always the only measure is am I happy or am I successful? Or, you know, right. do people like me? Or or do we ha- or is the are the roles up or the fundraising up? Sometimes it's this is where God needs me to be, and this is a mm-hmm. challenge for me, and this is going to make me a better whatever, you know, we go through all this. So, so obviously all these factors, both individually and as a community. So then the community has to look at things like term limits, and uh, and they don't all come up at the same time. So we didn't, like, start everybody— Like at the same starting line so that every 12 years, every single person moves. So this year, like three people are moving. Next year, six people are moving. And then it doesn't always match up. So Mm -hmm. so there's a lot that goes into the process. But also I will underscore what Brett said, which is we just don't believe as a philosophy that to force a guy to do something that either he doesn't want to do or doesn't think will be a good use of his gifts, to have him go into a situation already not happy about that. Is not good for him, and it's certainly not good for the people of God. I mean, the, the, the worst thing you can do to a community is have a guy get, arrive as the new pastor and go, harumph, You know, I didn't want to come here. I wanted to stay at my other place.
2: That's not good for anybody. And if
1: that happens, then please, please, please don't ever, ever say that. Although people do. I can't believe people do, but they do say that. (laughs) Uh, So even though I have very little uh, experience with this, since we are still in my 20th anniversary week, I can do a little more reminiscing, (laughs) I suppose, personally. And that when I was at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and I was an associate, I was my first assignment, so I'm not a pastor yet. Um, I was actually three years ordained. When I first got the call, they were planning a little unusually ahead because the process that I just described usually starts around in January when we send all those things around. How's everybody doing? Let us know if you want to move or you don't want to move or whatever. And then they start putting all the pieces together, and by May, decisions are made, and by end of June or July, people actually move. So usually it's in that, roughly that six months. But because of a few unusual circumstances, they contacted me a year ahead of time. Oh, and wow. So I was only three years ordained, and they said— we, we're we really thinking about you for this uh, ministry that they started in New York a couple years before me. There wasn't a busted halo around the, the entire history of the Apollos Fathers. M- one of my predecessors, who is no longer with the Pauls, and, and then another, another layperson, uh, started this ministry. And so th- this guy wanted to go on for, um, for Ph.D. studies. So they needed, to, like, advanced time to figure that out and have him do that. So a- after only been ordained three years and loving...
0: Being a priest
1: and being a parish priest and being on a campus with young people and, you know, performing weddings for the first time and you know, preaching every weekend. I get this call. And at the time, Busted Halo itself was mostly, almost entirely just the website. We hadn't even started right. podcasting yet. So I, you know, and I knew what my predecessor was doing was essentially acting as a, an editor of a magazine. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in front of a computer and copy editing and, you know, finding writers and all that. And I'm just like, yeah. that does not sound like that is my skill set or what would nourish me and give me life at all. <laughs> so, so in answer to your question, Christina, the, the, one of the very few experiences that I have with this process, my first answer was, no way. And I didn't say that. I mean, because they they called and they said, you know, now don't answer now and uh, pray about it and you know, blah blah blah. Um, But they also said, and this goes back to your question. They also said in the same call, they said, now we have a very short list of people who are interested in this position, and you're the list. Oh my gosh, it is a list of (laughs) one. Really short. No no pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Um, Looking at you here. Yep. yep. But I mean, but then there's other things like I I I was fairly new, so things that were still fresh. Not that Mm -hmm. I would disregard these things now, but a vow of obedience, for instance, you know, that I did join a community and not uh, become a diocesan priest or whatever. So, uh, but again, and this was said to me at the time, that if you accept this begrudgingly or reluctantly, then your heart isn't in it. And now that's obviously different than, oh boy, which has ended up being how I looked at it. This is certainly not something I would have – I would have stayed in Boulder and stayed being a campus ministry priest for the rest of my life probably. Loved it.
0: Yeah. You and, loved it,
1: yeah. And, and, and also was not looking to get back into media stuff because that's what I came out of in my career. I was, <laughs> right. I was convinced that God had used that to point me toward the Paulist because of their reputation and history with that. But not necessarily that I was going to be the next, you know, whoever, the one to hold up the Paulist end of, of mass media. I really honestly thought I would never do any of this stuff again. Wow. And and so when they call, I mean, and, and so that's all washing over me. And I'm sitting, I was sitting with a priest friend, a diocesan priest friend, my friend, Father Brian, remember I was visiting him when he was sick last in the fall? Yeah. So yeah. I was sitting in Father Brian's car in the parking lot of his church. And I got this call. I'm like, oh, I should probably take this. It's the, you know, president of the community. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, okay. And and I hung up the phone and I was just like, they want me to go to New York. And he's like, and I'm like, don't do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, well, like well. I just
2: escaped New York,
1: right? A few I mean, part so part of it was that too. Loved living in Colorado with the, the mountains and it's the air is clean yeah. and everybody's healthy and fit. Not that I was, but you sort of absorb <laughs> it. Everyone, around, Everyone else looks good. great, you know. It's <laughs> nice to see people jogging, They're doing yoga and <laughs> jogging. They're doing great, and I'm like, oh, New York. And and when I ended up leaving Boulder, I mean, it felt even though at the time of my. You know, 40 years, uh, most of my life had been spent in at least the state of New York. I went to Syracuse Mm -hmm. uh, and grew up in Long Island and here in New York City, worked in New York City. Um, That felt like home when I was leaving there after four years. Felt like I was leaving. Oh, wow. And obviously, not uh, coming home to where my family is and all that sort of thing. But, you know, so my first reaction was, oh my gosh, no. And really went back and forth a lot. And different people in my life, because, you know, you wanna, you want to crowdsource the, a big decision like that? Talking to like yeah. a spiritual director, where you we're... also want them to agree with you. Well, I mean, I mean, I really was. Li- I mean, I didn't honestly know what the right. Because I mean, yes, that was my right. first gut instinct, but I wasn't like close to it. I really did want to. Because I, I essentially yeah. was so divided that I did want to solicit other you know yeah. advice and info yeah. so we're asked to have a, um, a priest mentor within the polis for our first five years because statistics show just like in marriages actually that the first five years is is a very crucial time and and if you make it through that then you're probably a little better in the long run so they want to make sure we're well supported and not you know, we ordained, like, a young guy in his 20s and sent him off to a city he's never lived in, and he works with a pastor, and they don't happen to get along. And it's like, well, I don't like being a priest. You know, you want to have some other support systems and whatnot. So I talked to my priest mentor, to my spiritual director, all these other people. And really, of of the various people, it was kind of like a split decision. Like, some people were saying, oh, this is great oh, for you. Wow. This is perfect. Other people were saying, no, this is horrible. Don't do this. Take this.
2: <laughs> You're like, thank you for saying that. <laughs> and one of the
1: things on the—yeah, exactly. One of the things— on the, te- the initial telephone call was the Paul's leadership saying, now, essentially describing what I've been describing and answering your question, Christina, which is don't just be—particularly because you're, like, young in the community and, you know, you're on your first assignment—don't just say yes for the sake of saying yes, for just to mm-hmm. be obedient. That doesn't mean, you know, don't be obedient or oh, eschew I that, see. but don't say yes merely— out of obedience. Make sure, you know, pray about this. Make sure that it can be—I think the language that he used that still stays with me, make sure it's your yes. Because we would like you to do this, but it also doesn't help us if if it's not, if it's not a genuine... You're walking yes. in
2: all begrudgingly. Well, I mean, and... kind
1: of like you know, we look to Mary's, yes, her fiat, we call it in Latin. So when the angel Gabriel uh, says, you know, this is going to happen, she's like, this seems unusual. How would I possibly give birth? And, and the angel's like, well, don't worry about it. And she's like, <laughs> okay, yes. Right. So that that's we look to in Christianity. We look to that as one of the ultimate or certainly one of the watershed genuine yeses let it be done unto me so if mary had said you know i don't think i'm skilled in this and what what are you telling me and i'm probably going to watch him die i mean if you really want me to i suppose i mean if i'm going to go to hell well, if i say no you know and and this would i would think apply to other aspects of the christian life isn't isn't it or life in general isn't it much better when we can give a a genuine unqualified yes even if there are honest reservations or open questions or ways in which we think, boy, that's not gonna be easy. Th- that's mm-hmm. not the same thing as as being at least genuine in in saying, okay, this is gonna be an unknown, but I'm right. gonna wholeheartedly step into the unknown. So so the problem was when he said that on the phone, like make it your yes, don't just say yes out of obedience. What i kind of what I kind of did in my whole process of asking all these people and should I do this or should I not, what I kind of did was I put that completely out of the equation. And it was only when I said, well, wait a minute, it shouldn't only be out of obedience, but the fact that I joined a community and the community has a need, and maybe I don't see that right now from my little vantage point here in the forest. Maybe there's a reason why we have a church that's got layers of authority and leadership because that actually does work for humans, that people at different with different vantage points can see different things that just I and my little mm. shell can't see. Once I... Folded hmm. that in and said, well, I joined a community and I've been completely extrapolating the community's need or at least desire for me to do this. If I fold that in even a percentage of my my decision making, then it definitely tipped the scales. Right. So, I mean, it was kind of literally a split decision with all the info, that, all the advice people were giving me. And if it's like yeah. 50-50, you're going down the, the yellow piece of paper with the pros and cons and they're even – well, then I said, but why is this off on the table here? This needs to be a part of this important discernment and decision. And once I put it in there, i are like, well, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do with this job or ministry. I don't think I'm going to like live in New York, but it seems like the Holy Spirit that we believe works in the community in addition to and sometimes in different ways than working in my individual heart mm-hmm. is asking mm-hmm. this of me. So while I can't see it right now, I'm gonna make up at least as much of a wholehearted yes as I can, realizing there's a lot of question marks. There's maybe mm-hmm. even some doubt or lack of confidence or or maybe or, or maybe it was it was more more than lack of confidence. It might be this might be less fun, slash enjoyable, slash super nourishing and life giving, right. and it might be more work, you know. Well, <laughs> and you're
2: you're what you're playing into here is something we're hearing a lot about too. It's like it's not all about you, right? I mean, right. you were this was your first change too. And you loved the first one, the Colorado one or appointment, I should say. Yeah. And you're finally had to be like, okay, this isn't all about what's the greatest version of my life. I can yeah. have to right? play to more right. people.
1: And and so I will say probably the most honest way I could describe this is that in my head slash spirit, it was a, it was a, a genuine yes, but there was something like a, well, well, I'm going to give it like two years. Let's see, mm-hmm. because well, quite right. honestly, you
2: yourself and out mentally at least. Well, but
1: there's also precedent set in that in the first few years of priesthood, we actually do typically move guys around a little more frequently than once they they're more seasoned. And that mm-hmm. I mean, a pastor we see as such a an important role in a parish that unless it's unavoidable circumstances that you want to give a pastor more time to kind of establish relationships, connections, and set some sort of tone and. Uh, agenda, even, and uh, to establish some continuity and all that. Whereas associate pastors, those are typically newer ordained guys, and they could say for two years, or three years, or four years at most. So, I mean, it, it it because I had been three years at the time in Boulder, and I ended up staying I ended up staying that full four because they asked me a year ahead of time. Four years there, and it, it would have been reasonable to do a job like this. Like, like I said, they stopped uh, they stopped renewing me. But at, at first, it was actually renewed every two years because they saw it as more of a short term thing. Um, so, I mean, that was it wasn't so much me putting, you know, uh, qualifications on it, as it was uh, uh, as it was you know this this is what typically people would do with this. I mean, I think somebody would say that about something like a job like vocation director when you're asked to do that. it's so. It's so very different from what most people think that they're going to do when they become a priest. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're flying around the country and you know interviewing people and you're, you're not yeah. like in a parish setting with baptizing babies. It's not like you do yeah. zero of that. But it's so very different that it would be reasonable to for say, and the community actually says this, too, which is why I just mentioned Father Dot's reappointment, that he's actually going to be in the job a fairly long time, if you would stay another four years, in terms of our usual precedent with that ministry, with that job. So, I mean, it was to say somewhere in the back of my head, well, I'm not sure what this is, and maybe you're calling me out into the deep, Lord, something that I don't know, and something that's not going to be as warm and fuzzy as college students on a retreat, you know, having changes in their lives and, like, coming to Mm -hmm. Jesus and me getting all teary and going, this is why I became a priest. It's probably not going to be like that. It may be sitting in front of a computer and, you know, publishing an article, but... I'll give it two years, and uh, and it was in less time than that. Podcasting started to blow up, and people were suggesting right. you guys really should do podcasts. And I'm like, oh wait. Right, maybe (laughs) this thing that I've done literally since I was six years old might be what God has in mind. That's the craziest.
2: Because if you keep going down that path, so you're talking about, (laughs) I don't know if I want to go to New York. The very conversation we're having right now definitely wouldn't have happened if you stomped your feet and said, "I'm not going. I'm staying in."
0: Right, Right.
2: but I think like your life is so clear to see this 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 arc of like okay I was doing TV and and like production stuff and I'm never going to do that again and then you had the priesthood and then you came back to New York and you're blah and now it's all (laughs) this stuff. You just did this whole live radio TV internet (laughs) thing yesterday with guests and songs and Jokes and things, <laughs> and it, it's so much clearer to see it right. in your life right. that sort of arc where at the time you didn't see what the Holy Spirit was doing or right. God or your right. or your people above you. I love being able to look right. at your story and be like, I don't know what'll happen in twenty years. Maybe all these things will start to <laughs> right. fit together. You right. know, right. sorry to cut you off though, Christina. No, it's okay. Part blows my mind. With
0: <laughs> no, it is. It is mind blowing the way that God kind of connects the dots later on. But it's a good point that you make, Father Dave, about discernment, giving your genuine yes because you had like a year to really discern and pray but at some point we do have to act even though we don't have 100% of the answers like 9 times out of 10 we're not going to know exactly what god wants but we have to make an act of trust and you did and i think that god usually reveals his will a lot of the times through our circumstances and mm-hmm. so you you gave your yes and then the circumstances happened to be that he showed you how he was going to use your talents once again, for this ministry, and so it worked out. But I think sometimes every situation is different. But we have to make that act of trust and that mm-hmm. leap of faith. And if it and if it didn't work out, you would know that it wasn't God's will. Um, right. But He right. usually does reveal His will through the circumstances. So I think it's a really good por- uh, point about discernment: is that we won't have all the answers, but you give your genuine yes if you if you discern that. Okay, I right. feel like I'm being pulled in this direction a little right. bit. And then you find out once you make that leap of faith. Yeah. So
1: and, and 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 I think we prefer maybe not every human, but in general as society and culture, we prefer having more of the answers and more of the data to make a. It's like you know having the perfect stock pick. You know, you totally. you, you want to be yeah. sure. You want you, know, you don't want certain. all these these mysteries and stuff. And we don't get that particularly in, in things like this in life.
0: Right. And sometimes I think you struggle in the opposite way. I tend to like really. Just stay in one place, and I don't move because I'm so afraid of doing something that's not God's will.
2: Yeah, it's and almost. So let, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I, th- I was going to agree. I thought you were done and saying like you're almost. It's almost paralyzing. Too many mm-hmm. choices. You know, it's almost obedience might actually help <laughs> in some
1: cases. Well, no, like, yeah, you have and, to go and, do this, and that's you know? actually very true. And, and and we see that in religious life. And it's it's a little obviously. I, I have a bias, and this wouldn't be. This is a bit of a. a, a, a Not an exaggeration, but just you know, pushing it to its full limit. That while a lot of people in the world would see, oh, it's so I could never do what like those monks do, and they have to you know be obedient, they can't have their own credit cards. While in a sense, at least let's put it this way, making that initial decision might be difficult, but every day it's it's a lot easier. You you may not love it but you're not stressed with a decision every day. Right. And, you know, you've made that. And you Brett, right, you point this out a lot. You go, well, you've already made your commitment, but we're still <laughs> trying to figure out our way in the world. And, right. you know, a monk, while, while he may grumble and grumble, not like this superior, he doesn't let me buy a new pair of sandals, he doesn't have to have that more internal struggle with, well, I've made this commitment not to, because this is what we do. So we're not monastic as the Paulists, and we don't even, uh, because we're not technically the type of religious order that actually takes the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. We promise to live by our constitutions, which include things about money and things about being chaste, of course, and things about being obedient. But it's a little more fuzzy. So for us, it's we, we don't have to divest ourselves of, of everything of our worldly possessions when we first enter the order. So some guys come to us who had a little more in life and other guys come to us who had less. And when we're all together... What what our constitution say is that we're supposed to be, you know, in, in just in the financial realm, for instance, we're supposed to be, you know, using our money or having our money with with respect to how we live in community life with others. Meaning that if I just happen to have some family money or I had a great job and I still got a lot, I don't go, hey, I got to I gotta drive a Mercedes or go to a nice health club. And here I am in the broken down treadmill in the basement. Cause, so but for us, it's not mandated. So, more is so. Back to your point about is it easier and in some ways, you know, somebody that's in a monastery that's like, no, we all have exactly the same bed, the same mattress, and you don't have a choice of that as opposed to well, <laughs> type what, of mattress. What, wait, at the Paulist house, like, wait a minute, this guy's got the old, what's that little button you push and the bed goes up? How come hey. he gets that? I don't get that. Be- so, in a sense, it is again, it's not an easier or harder decision, but it, it's one decision at first, and then the more day-to-day decisions aren't decisions because because mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of what you've bought into but yeah i mean i i the only thing i'll uh I'll modify christina is that while they asked me a year in advance i didn't have a full year to make the decision i had to make the decision so that they could decide whether or not that guy was going to leave oh, and go to the okay. so i had to make
0: the yeah, decision like pretty a quickly year
2: of discernment is almost too much yeah. <laughs> it's like but, wavering back and but forth but what was too year. much
1: is that i had to sit on it for a year Right. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, so oh. a few people know, but I didn't it wasn't public in terms of where oh. I was serving. You don't tell a ministry, I'm going to be leaving in a year. No, that's oh, not you know, that, that's, that. Like is imagine interesting. that, imagine that at a job. You know, you don't say, I'm the director of marketing. Right. I'll be leaving a year from now. <laughs> I mean, you know. in both ways
2: it's funny. Like I'll be your boss in a year over there.
0: Right. <laughs> and, you're, and you know, you're right. discerning between two goods. Right. It's exactly. not like exactly. I yeah. th- this thing is horrible right. and right. and this thing's way better. It's the are two good things.
1: Those are the hardest ones.